Open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16 for more years than I can even begin to remember. I've been fascinated with this story of the Philippian jailer's conversion. And uh, when you stop and think about it, the story of any conversion is interesting, it's exciting, uh, it's a blessing to just sit and to listen to someone talk about the day that they come to know Christ as their Savior. Wow, uh, nothing, nothing greater could happen to anyone. But when it comes to this story, I find it interesting for... Uh, uh, for some other reasons also. You know, whenever we think about a person, we if we tell their story, it, sooner or later it always involves somebody else. And that's what happens here. And the interesting thing to me about this story is that it's a perfect picture to me of how that, that great good can come out of grievous trials. Remember, the story starts with the Apostle Paul and Silas as they're traveling, and that's a story all to itself. And, and uh, he was a good man, but he has a bad problem. Uh, he's in jail. And, and so many times things happen to us that we don't understand, things that cause us to ask the question, Why? And that can be really difficult to deal with, can it? Because uh, there are folks dealing with that right now. I mean, I'm talking about, when I say folks, I'm talking about those of you that are here in this building right now dealing with issues that whenever you think about it, you just wonder to yourself, well, why this? Why me? Why now? You know, one of the things that keeps me going is knowing Although I don't always know the reason, there is a reason. And just knowing that God has a reason and that He never makes any mistakes, that is the thing that I hang on to that keeps me going through any difficulty. But I want you to notice how all of this played out here in the story of Paul and Silas. you notice it begins with Paul delivering this woman from an evil spirit. Here's a demon-possessed woman being used of wicked men uh, to tell fortunes, to just sum it all up. They're using her for personal gain. And uh, Paul and Silas come through and she is delivered by the mighty power of God. And boy, you would think that the entire community is going to be happy over that, right? Finally, this demon-possessed woman comes to know Christ as her Savior. She's delivered from her bondage of sin. But instead of that, they are in an uproar. And so they take Paul and Silas and they beat them. They cast them into prison. They put their feet in stocks. So here they are, imprisoned, in chains, awaiting judgment, not knowing if they're going to receive the death sentence or exactly what it's going to be. 
And and the 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 worst thing about all of this is that they hadn't done anything wrong. They're in this position as a result of Christian ministry, doing the will of God, helping others, and now here they are in prison. Can you imagine what must have been going through their mind at that time? I, I mean, human nature never changes, and, and and our needs really never vary when you get right down to it. And so, you know, these are just men. They think like you and I do, and they've got to be wondering to themselves how unfair this is. Because we generally think of good as being rewarded with good and not with evil. And so whenever something like this happens to us, we're tempted to cry foul. That's not fair. I love the Lord with all of my heart. I'm faithful to His church. I give, you know, above and beyond what the Bible commands. I do this and I do that. And and all of a sudden, here I am in this horrible situation. What I want you to see this morning is that some of our greatest victories come out of our most severe trials. Our greatest victories come out of our most severe painful trials. And I want you to keep that in mind as we... As we look at this story, because here in this story, we see how we can be blessed by bondage. And that's the title of my message this morning, Blessed by Bondage. I think anyone would have to say that it is a blessing whenever God uses you to bring someone else to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my, listen... That's a whole lot better than getting a raise. That's a whole lot better than receiving an inheritance. That's a whole lot better than graduating from college. I mean, how can it get any better than that? That God would use you to deliver the message that would bring salvation to some man, woman, boy, or girl. And that's what we see here. Out of this situation, we find that the jailer is saved, and not only the jailer, but his entire family. They're all saved as a result of them being in this situation. So consider this story with me. We think about Paul and Silas, and notice what it says beginning in verse number 25. And at midnight... You ever had a midnight? Yeah, one of those midnight times whenever it just seemed like the whole world had gone wrong. A midnight in your life. It might be a midnight that has to do with your health. The doctor's report says it doesn't look good. might be the doctor says I can't do anymore. It might be something that deals with a domestic issue in your life. Your husband or your wife says, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. You see, the list can go on and on and on. What do you do at midnight? It's midnight. These men have been beaten. They're, They're bloody. They're bruised. They're in bondage. And I want you to notice at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. 
and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's hands were loose. The keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open and drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice before conversion always comes conviction. Before this man is saved, he has to be brought to that place in his life where he acknowledges his need of salvation. But what was it that made such a change in this man's life? I mean, here is a man who is a Gentile that cares nothing about the Jews, nothing about the God of the Jews, nothing about their heritage whatsoever. A man that, as far as we know, has never, ever been concerned about his salvation. But all of a sudden, something happens that makes him ask the question, what must I do to be saved? So there's conviction there. And there's at least three things I want you to notice. First of all was the attitude of Paul and Silas. I think that, I think that convinced him that there's something different about these guys. They're in jail, but they have joy. They're in prison, but they have peace. Something different about these guys. They've been beaten. They've been mistreated. They're in chains. And at midnight, they're singing praises to their God. Let me tell you, there's nothing in all of the world that will ruin your Christian testimony faster than a bad attitude. You put yourself in their situation and I've tried to do that, by the way, as a pastor and thinking about difficult times and times that, you know, things have happened that, you know, that to me, well, this just isn't fair that, that people would do something like that. And so I've thought about them and, and just picture yourself there. Have you, ever, have you ever been so troubled by your difficulties that you don't even feel like praying? I don't even feel like praying tonight. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have anything to say to God tonight. Uh, and certainly, there are times that we might feel like praying, Oh, God, help me. But we don't do a lot of praising, do we? It's midnight, and they are praying, and they are praising God. And that got the attention of this jailer, and all of the prisoners heard them. I mean, throughout the jail, these people are listening to these two Christians rejoice about the greatness of their God. And so your attitude is extremely important. But it's never enough alone. It takes more than what you can do for a person to be saved. I don't care how hard you try. I know some of you, and, 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 and I know you don't even want your name mentioned, and I'm going to honor that and not, not mention your name. 
But I tell you, we've got we've got some folks here that that it's so obvious they have a heart for souls, and, and they're willing to give their time, their money, their energy, their effort because they want to see people saved. And 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 and, and I just want to say to those of you that have that attitude, you don't know how much of an encouragement you are to me. Because it's so easy for even someone that after 49 years in the ministry, it's so easy to get cold and hard and calloused and indifferent as to the needs of people around us. And it's so refreshing to see you doing that. But regardless of how hard you work, you can only do so much. There was a second thing here that aided in this man's conversion, and that was the arrival of the earthquake. This is the original jailhouse rock because God rocked the prison. Amen? Paul and Silas is singing and praising God. Listen, whenever we pray, whenever we praise God, something good's going to happen. The Bible says God inhabiteth the praise of His people. When we praise God, God is going to leap into action and do whatever needs to be done. In this case, He needed to shake the prison, and that is exactly what He did. But then that brings up something else. There's not only the attitude of Paul and Silas, and there's not only the arrival of the earthquake, but there's the actions of Paul and Silas. Can you imagine being there in their situation, and all of a sudden the prison begins to shake, and all of a sudden you look down and your chains are gone, and the door is open, and the first thing you think is, man, I'm going to get out of Dodge. I'm getting out of town while the getting is good, I'm out of here. God has delivered me. I'm going to hit the road. You're not going to see me around here again. And they stayed right where they were. Why? They've got all the evidence in the world that God wants me out of here. God just opened the doors of the prison and removed my chains. I'm free to go. But you see... Paul and Silas were not looking for a way out of the prison. They were looking for a way into the jailer's heart. And please understand that this jailer is not the man that's going to make the final determination. It's the local magistrate. It's the local authority that's going to make the final decision whether they're to be put to death or not. And staying there is at the very risk of their lives. I can't help but wonder if they even thought for a minute, maybe we ought to maybe we ought to go ahead and leave. Get out of here. We'll come back later and talk to the jailer. But they stayed right there. And that so impressed him. Listen, the jailer came in, he saw the doors open. He thought they were gone originally. He took out his sword because listen, because He knows he's going to get blamed for the prisoners escaping. He doesn't want to face that embarrassment and shame. He's about to commit suicide and and fall on his sword. And Paul and Silas said, Hey, don't hurt yourself, buddy. Don't do yourself any harm. We're here. We're all here. Nobody's left. That That had to be impressive, don't you think? 
what are you doing here? Why would you stay behind? Why would you risk your life? And it's the actions of these men had to make a deep impression upon that man. Not just their attitude. You see, we can have an attitude of prayer and praise. We can talk all of the talk we want, but if we don't walk the walk, we're not going to impress the people. This guy, these people here are not just praising God. They're putting their Christianity in shoe leather. And this guy can see these men do not have a holier-than-thou attitude. These men have a deep concern about the, me. Uh, they stayed here. They risked their life. And that caused him to ask the question that leads from conviction to conversion. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now remember, he's, this is a crucial time. He's preparing to commit suicide. Let me tell you, if you're not saved, this is a crucial time for you. Whether you've ever contemplated suicide or not, is, that's, that's an, another matter. That if you're unsaved, you're in jeopardy. You're one heartbeat, one breath away from a devil's hell. And, and through all of this, there's, there's a process that's going on here whereby it brings him to the point that he begins to see his need and he says, what must I do to be saved? Now, if, if ever there was an occasion for, for Paul to give a clear-cut exposition on how you get saved is right here, right? How would you feel if somebody ran up to you later and said, what must I do to be saved? That, the very thought of that ought to excite us. You know, when you think about the early church in there in Acts chapter number 2, there, there was the, you know, the great miracle on the day of Pentecost. And, and those people, as they observed these Christians, they said, what, what meaneth this? What, what brought about all of this? How, how do you explain this? They could see the power of God. And, and it was through the witness of the believers that brought those people to the point of seeing their need. And that's what's going on here. This jailer sees these men are different and he begins to inquire, what must I do to be saved? And notice Paul did not say, well, look, buddy, uh, we're Baptists. You've got to be a Baptist. <laughs> if you're not a Baptist, there's no hope for you. Boy, let me tell you, there's nobody more of a Baptist than I am. And, uh, but let me tell you, you don't have to be a Baptist to be saved. You don't even have to get baptized to be saved. Baptism doesn't bring about salvation. It's not a matter of you doing something. It's not a matter of you being good enough or whatever. We're saved as a result of what? what he said believe. Not just anything. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That It couldn't be more simple than that. Why is it that we 
keep trying to complicate matters. It's just belief. Notice he didn't say you've got to pray and believe, although that, you know, whenever we think about calling on the name of the Lord, that can be an expression of our faith in the Lord. And so we're calling on the Lord that we're trusting Him to to save us. I, I understand that. But just because you walk down the aisle and get on your knees and say a prayer does not save you. It's believing in all of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He shed His precious blood on the cross at Calvary, that He paid your sin debt, that He's able and willing to save your soul if you trust Him. That's what it takes for anyone to be saved. And we see as a result of that, this man being saved, and notice what it says in verse number 31, They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Notice, and thy house. Well, the the whole family got saved as a result of that. You know, you, you never know where it might lead whenever a person becomes a Christian. The salvation of an entire household. Now notice verse number 30. It says, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight way. So we see this man going from his conviction about his need that was brought about by the attitude of Paul and Silas, brought about by the arrival of the earthquake and the actions of Paul and Silas. All of those were contributing factors. And we see that his conviction resulted in his conversion when he learned what it takes to be saved and he trusted the Lord. And notice here his confession. And it's important because this happens in several different ways. First of all, there is a confession by mouth. This is a confession of his sinfulness there in verse number 30. It's a confession that he is a sinner. What must I do to be saved? That that is an acknowledgement of the fact that I'm not good enough as I am. I need something more than what I've got. I I can't be saved because I'm just sincere. I can't be saved just because God loves me. That's not enough. There must be a transaction that takes place. There must be an acknowledgement of the fact that this man is a sinner before he'll ever be saved. And let me ask you, have you ever reached that place in your life that you realize that you are a sinner in need of salvation? This is a confession of his sinfulness, but then there's also a confession here of his salvation because it tells us in verse 33 that he and his household were all baptized. I just got through saying that we're not saved as a result of baptism, and that, listen, that has been misunderstood and caused a lot of people to think to themselves, well, baptism's not really all that important. I remember many years ago being out on visitation and knocked on the door. 
woman answered the door and I began to talk to her and said something about being a, being a Christian. And she said, yeah, yeah, she said, yeah, I'm a Christian, went to the Church of Christ. And, and uh, if you've got friends that are Church of Christ or whatever, you know, uh, uh, you need to pray for them. And I'm not just trying to bash them. But as you know, they believe that you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. And she said, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm a church of Christ, and I, I believe baptism's important. I think, she said, I think if a person is, is a Christian, you know, they'll be baptized. And I said, well, you know, there's a sense in which I believe exactly what you do about that. She said, what? I thought you was a Baptist. I said, I am. But if a person's really Christ-like, if they're going to do what Jesus did, if they're going to be a Christian in the truest sense, they will get baptized. You see, that is an evidence of the fact that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. It's not the cause of your salvation. It's the evidence of it. You're showing outwardly to others what happened inwardly when you received Jesus as your Savior. I've, I've often heard people say, you know, they make a profession of faith, and uh, Brother Kenneth or I'll mention to them, well, you know, your next step now in Christian obedience is to follow the Lord in baptism. And they'll say something to the effect, well, I'm, I'm going to pray about that. Man, you don't need to pray about that. You don't need to pray about something that God already told you to do. And you ought to get baptized absolutely as soon as you possibly can. That's your first step of obedience in your Christian life. If you expect anybody else to believe that you've really been saved, you need to give evidence of it by submitting yourself to baptism. And that's exactly what they did. Same night. They, they, didn't, wait. they didn't say put it on the calendar. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say next. Because I understand better than you think I do, but I'm trying to make a point. They didn't even say, oh, yeah, we want to get baptized, but I've got to wait till Uncle John, you know, he's going to be here next month. I want him to see it. So we're going to, we're going to put it on the schedule the next month. Many of you have heard me say back in Missouri where I pastored there, we didn't have a baptistry for a long time. We had to go down to the creek. It's kind of like a creek, only it's colder. And uh, every month of the year, I'm, I'm talking about January, February, I mean, you know, all, all year long as well. We did. And we were ready, and I can't tell you the number of times on Sunday morning, for example, Somebody, somebody be saved, and that was the first question. You will to follow the Lord in baptism? Yeah. When, when do you want to do it? You want to do it right now? And some, some of you know would think, what? What about next week? But a lot of the folks knew that we were ready, and if they said yes, the whole church, we loaded up in our cars and we went down to the creek and, and had a baptismal service. I mean, the same hour, same day, I mean, they were ready. 
These folks are not playing around. They're serious. And if you don't believe it, notice there's not only a confession as to his sinfulness, a confession of his salvation, but there is a a confirmation here of his sincerity where it says in verse number 34 that they had brought them, that's Paul and Silas, into his house. That must have been a dangerous thing to do. You know, back in those days, of course, the, as, as historians tell us, you know, the, the jail was usually in the same big building complex as a, as a person's house. The jailer's house was right there, his family. And uh, he took him into the living quarters. What if the authorities find out about this? They took him into his house notice and he set meat before them. And rejoice, believing in God with all of his house. And that's amazing. They washed their stripes. Notice, they washed their stripes. You get the picture? Paul and Silas sitting there and they're bloody from the beating. Here's this jailer, and I've got to believe with tears in his eyes. These little kids maybe standing around looking at, what are you doing, Daddy? He takes some water and he takes a towel. And he gets down and he begins to wipe the feet and the legs, the bloody back of those that he had helped beat just hours earlier. You want to really prove you mean business for God? You want to really prove you're a Christian? then you need to fall in love with God's people. Amen. 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 The Lord loved the church and He gave Himself for it. And the church isn't this building. This building can burn down tomorrow. I hope it doesn't, but it, it can. And that'll not destroy the church. Tornado can come through here and wipe this building off the face of the earth, but not going to destroy this church because the church is made up of people. We need, we need to learn to love one another and minister to one another. And some folks have learned that lesson well and thank God for it. Thank God for people like this jailer. Maybe you're here today And you've never received Christ as your Savior. I said at the very beginning, and I said it for a reason, that this is a crucial time in your life. That man was getting ready to kill himself. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I've never even thought about suicide, you know. I'm not worried about that. Let me tell you, If you're unsaved, please bear with me, and I'll wrap this up as quickly as possible. Be, Be patient. If you're here today and you're not saved, you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. You're one heartbeat, one breath away from a devil's hell. Boy, this last few days has brought back a lot of precious memories.
and some bad ones also. As I've thought back over the years, my mind settled on thinking about, I won't even mention the name of the, it's a man's initials, Cocktail Lounge, Springfield, Missouri. And Roy, I won't mention his last name because all of this is recorded. And I'd been in there so many times and knew Roy well. Wasn't in there that night. But Roy was somewhat of a gambler and a big drinker and loved all of his buddies and friends. And so you got to play in Russian roulette that night. Take all of the bullets out of the cylinder, you know, and put one in, spin the cylinder, make the bets. They put the money up on the bars. He'd done it before. Managed to survive. But that night when he pulled the trigger, the gun went off and he blew his brains out. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, how could anybody be so stupid, so foolish, as to risk their life. You walk out that door without trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the most foolish thing anybody could ever do. Don't do it. And if you're here this morning and you've already been saved, but stuff has happened. Somebody mistreated you. Somebody has abused you, neglected you. Something has happened that has embittered you and you just feel like quitting, giving up, throwing in the towel. What's the use? Hold on, like that song says. You see, out of listen to me, out of the depth of your bondage can come the greatest blessing in your life. You're here for a reason. And every trial, every difficulty that you encounter is not something that is against you. It's something that God wants to use for you and for good. That is for the sake of others. And out of the depth of your misery and your fears and all of that, God wants to bring a blessing in some way into the life of somebody else. And it's going to cost you to suffer as a result of it. But let me tell you, whatever the price you have to pay for the will of God to be realized is worth it. I can guarantee you, Paul and Silas, never, ever one time, you know, somebody said, well, how did you trip down through there go? Well, it wasn't all that bad. We got beat up and thrown in jail and all of that, but God got us out. And Man, I wish we could have avoided that. I mean, something good happened out of it. A guy got saved, and in fact, his whole house got saved. But, man, I wish, I wish God had kept us out of that mess. I don't think they ever had that kind of an attitude, do you? I think they thought, hey, man, it was worth it. Every lash of the whip, every ounce of blood, everything 
we endured, it was worth it. Somebody come to know Jesus as their Savior, and his whole house was saved as a result of it. And I want you to leave here this morning, if you've been saved, would you leave here knowing that good can come out of all of the bad things that we don't understand. Because the same, the same God that got Paul and Silas out of prison allowed them to be put in prison. The same God that caused the jailer to wash their stripes is the same God that allowed the jailer to put them there. It's all a part of God's big plan. And he doesn't make any mistakes. Let's all stand together, Tim, if you'll come. If you're here today and maybe maybe you've come to that point in your life that you're ready to say, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want to be a Christian. I do not want to risk losing my soul to the devil. I want to be saved today. And my answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now, right here with your head bowed. The best way that you know how, whatever words you say, from the depth of your heart, just express yourself, Lord. I'm trusting you as my Savior. I'm believing Jesus is my Savior and trusting Him this morning. Would you come and share that experience with us? And if you're here and you've been beat down, pushed around, just feel like throwing in the towel, and maybe you just want to come and pray for a while, I don't know. Just let God have His way. If you've never followed the Lord in baptism, why don't you come right now? Take care of that while we sing.